welcome, Dr. Patrick Jean-Pierre. Thanks so much for being here. You are one of my favorite people, always have been since we met, and I'm just thrilled to have you on the podcast. Lots of great stuff to talk about today. And I really want to talk about, well, so many things. We'll get into that in just a minute, but uh, hello and welcome. And we're taping this on a Saturday morning early because both of us needed to get up and do this outside the weekday. So great to be here with you, Patrick. Same here, same here. Stacy. you know, you're one of my favorite people as well. So one of the many people I would spend a Saturday morning with. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. It makes me feel great. Well, listen, we are thrilled, like I said, to have you. And there's been such a long journey, Patrick. So I want to talk a little bit first just about you and your background, because today I really want to spend some time on systems. It's something that you've taught me a lot about and enlightened me on. And I think it's something a lot of people really want to just kind of not deal with and don't understand. But before we get there, I want to know a little bit about you and let you kind of tell the listening audience, what you're up to now, and how you got to the position that you're in, which is a principal now in Schenectady, but it's been a long road. So I started as a middle school teacher in Brooklyn, New York, Huddy Junior High School. My major was, you know, psychology, started pre-med in, in college. And, you know, I had a lot of mentors who were saying, well, you know, don't go into teaching you know, get your master's, your doctorate first. And then there was this idea that maybe, you know, teaching wouldn't get me to the place that I needed to get to, right? Well-meaning, trying to be supportive of me. I decided to go and substitute anyway, while I was completing my second master's. And then, you know, I was substituting for about a month. And then the principal said, look, I, I want to hire you and give you the job. Uh, so, that's how I ended up teaching middle school. And, you know, I fell in love with it. And during the time I was in the process of, you know, I had the goal of getting my doctorate in organizational psychology. So didn't know when it would come around and it came around after two years. So I decided to go, spoke to my principal. She said, you know, it's a good idea, you know, but make sure you get all your other certifications while you're in there so you can make sure you can come back and work for us. And part of the reason why I wanted to do organizational psychology is because when I looked at the systems in schools, I said, that, you know, there got to be a better way for these systems to work for us to better serve our children. So the idea was to go get the doctorate and then come back and work in the schools. And as I was doing my doctorate, I did a lot of work in schools, actually the program was great. It had a school psychology piece to it, organizational and clinical. So I was able to melt all three of those. So I ran boys groups in middle school and high school for about four of the years of my five-year doctorate there and worked in schools, you know, worked with the New Jersey Department of Education on some projects. So I was immersed in school work. And then when I graduated, I said, you know, I didn't want to go work anywhere that wouldn't talk about race. Why did you say that? What, what in your own life and what had you seen and what was personal enough to you that said, this is who I am. I'm not going to do this any other way. Well, I would say I grew up pretty blessed in my life, but I grew up in a neighborhood and community that, you know, had a variety of different social economic status, people living in it, mostly people of color in Brooklyn. And, you know, I just remember growing up and just felt like, you know, and most of my teachers were white and I would say, you know, did their best to support us. But I just felt like 
there was just something that told me there was more that needed to be done <laughs> for black and brown kids. I couldn't understand them that young, right? But I could see the disparities, right? I remember going to junior high school in an all white, <laughs> you know, neighborhood. And I mean, just what they had around them was significantly different, whether it was stores, resources, what was at the school, things that were available to the students were very different. So, I mean, even at that point, I couldn't articulate it was about race, but obviously afterwards, I can look back and say, oh, there was a lot going on here. So for me, it was seeing those disparities at a young age and then going into college and seeing again, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, <laughs> there's not many of us here. And, right. you know, my parents were immigrants. You know, they migrated here from Haiti. So uh, their idea was work hard, go to school. I mean, either one of them, they didn't get a chance to go to college. But I mean, they were successful in their own right and how they worked in life. And that's a work hard, get an education. But they didn't tell me, hey, you were going to get to college. And, you know, not many of people who look like you would be there. So all of those things tying together led me to say, you know, I, I needed to be part of changing that. At a basic level, my advice is just say, everything you do, that conversation of race has to be a part of it. And sometimes it's not about race. Yeah. It's not a, we move it off the table, right? Okay. Yeah. But we have to acknowledge that this thing is so powerful. It is so powerful that it comes up in every situation. It doesn't matter. Every situation it comes up in. And I want you to talk about that because you do a great quote in the doc where you say everything you do, you've got to be thinking, am I looking at diversity? Am I looking at equity? Am I looking at inclusion? Because if I'm not looking at those three things, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and am I being more inclusive, you miss something, you miss a group, but you miss an individual. You miss an opportunity for a child. Right. And that is something we can't miss. And so what I want you to talk about, Patrick, is just how you've seen this work, not in a real educational framework, but from a standpoint of you have to understand how systems impact people on a experiential level, how it's impacting their lives, how it's impacting all of us and what kind of signals we're getting and why dismantling those systems is so critically important and why it's not one person. It's not, oh, I've got a black person now on the city council. And so somehow that's going to make things right, right? It's deep dismantling and restructuring. And it's inclusion that is far different than what we have going on in this country right now. I'd like you to speak to that. You know, the diversity, inclusion, and equity, it's all... You know, you can't you can't do one without the other. It's like you said, I I think when when we just say we have, okay, we we have people of color now, right? right? So I use myself as an example. Yeah, I'm the black principal. You know, that's not only what I am, but it matters, right? That I am, and and I think people would like to say it doesn't matter. No, it, it matters, <laughs> right? Because the kids who look like you respond differently and the kids who don't look like you connect with you in a very different way that they would never connect with with someone who doesn't look like. So it matters. And, and, and I like to say just, but all my teachers are white and, you know, I love them. We have good relationships, but there's something about the group. There's an individual piece, right? And I think, yes, having the individual is good, but then looking at the group, as well, right? The arrangement of the group is important. So how diverse is your organization? Who's there? Who's not there? So 
everyone collectively has to have the mindset. But truly, if all my teachers are white, there are conversations that are always going to be missed. Not to say they don't come with the mindset, but their lived experiences are different. Right. No matter what. And I will say, look, I need more people of color to be teachers in my school because that will shift the conversation. And then when you think about the structures, I'm in a building that was redistricting. So at some point it was mostly, you know, they used to call it the country club. Right. right? And there were things that they did that worked really well for the set of students that they had. But now with the redistricting, they have more students of color who are busting it. I mean, the system, they just don't work. Yeah. Right. They just don't work. So if you have an activity, this is at a basic level. You have an activity at 4 p.m. You have right. an activity at 4 p.m. Only those neighborhood kids are going to make it. I don't care what you tell me. Yes. A couple of the kids who have means who bust in from those other neighborhoods, you know, they may make it. But the majority of them, you're not going to see. So you could either ignore that. You can either say, oh, I, it doesn't matter. This is what works for us. It's been working. That's the basic structural system level. And people are like, what's the big deal with the time? Because I have 80% of my other kids who are not going to make it because of that time. And here's the piece, Patrick. That's a great example in a school setting. And then what happens is if one kid out of that 80 can get there at four o'clock, they just say, well, see, he got here. Why yeah. can't everybody else? <laughs> I mean, that's the mind blowing piece, right? But if you're not thinking about it, if you have operated in that system all of your life, you do turn around and go, well, yeah, they got there. So maybe, you know, why can't somebody else make that effort? And they start tying it to effort rather than to what is actually happening. And right. it gives you permission to ignore a whole population and set your expectations about that whole population and all the individuals in that population, how they should move, how they should act, what they should be doing, what their lives are like, who they are as individuals, and pin it all on this one person who shows up and say, see, and it excuses you. When you talk about, I think you just said it, it excuses you, it's a coping mechanism. Right. And I'm certain you saw that in all kinds of situations and continue to see it in oh, all absolutely. situations. Absolutely. And it informs the group. Because one person says that, the teacher says, well, they showed up. Everybody goes, well, yeah. And now we move forward. Right. And Joe's a superstar, right, that showed up. Now we move forward and the system is set up and we're all excused and everybody walks away. And there's 79.9% of this population over here that is shut out. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, everyone plays into that dynamic. So that's oh. why I think the dynamic is huge, right? Because you may have the person of color who says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just a little bit different. You know, I do things. No, no, no. <laughs> right, right, no. You know, I mean, you you cope with it a little bit differently, right? right? Maybe the other person was like, look, I can't stand this. I can't deal with it. With me, I know how to have these conversations. So when you when you microaggress me, right, I'm right. probably going to have the conversation with you and say, hey, come mm-hmm. on. Whereas someone else who looks just like me, who doesn't know how to have that they're going to probably not say anything. It's going to build up. It's going to build up. And then you get it. You know, I, I think that rule of there's an exception is like it's a coping mechanism. It's an excuse. It's a denial because the system is more powerful than one person. In education, they say culture eats strategies. 
So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what that person brings, right? If the culture is a culture that marginalizes or is has racist elements to it, it doesn't matter who's in that role. It's going to happen, right? They may deal with it differently. And I, I believe very differently. I, I believe like in my, in my building, every kid has to be successful or I wasn't successful, right? In my role. And we have, we need a system that ensures everyone is successful. And I think, you know, that anti-racism piece, people push back on it, but the anti-racism approach is really saying, like you're saying, say, dismantle the system so that then we can rebuild it and make sure that every group can be successful because racism impacts everyone, right? I mean, primarily people of color and black people. But primarily, but I think it has massive impact on other populations as well. Yes. So everyone is burdened by it. So if you, if you don't change it, right, you're actually not allowing everyone to live to their full potential. And I think it's worked for a lot of people to allow that system to continue to work. And I think it's across groups, right? Right. So people won't agree with me. I think, you know, white people use it, black people use it, Latino people use it, you know, Native American people, use, everyone use it to their benefit, right? And I think unless the system, we have to say, unless the system works for everyone, unless everyone can live a sustainable life, and take care of their families. Why do we need homeless people, right? But some people in their, some, in their mind say, oh, you know, that's what happens. Some people are homeless. Some people don't make it. No, why can't everyone make it? I'm not saying we all need to be doctors, we all, but I'm saying everyone needs to be able to be successful and take care of themselves and, you know, live a good life. I also think, Patrick, that you know, when I first started working with you guys in New York and really learning myself, because it was a, wasn't something I knew much about. I mean, I, I knew a little bit because I was in the work, but not in a, in a way that, you know, has evolved. You know, I think people struggle with what am I to do? I live in one place. My community is X. I can relate to that. I think you start where you are, right? You start with the people around you. You start with the people you know, let them know who you are. It's about conversation. I'm here now. And it's about, for me, I think it's just about shifting mindset, you know, catching yourself, yep, yep. catching yourself, getting educated enough that you start to catch yourself and go, oh, I was at a show last night, as I told you, it's a DEI to be more diversity inclusion. First two rows of the show, they're filming, filming the audience. It's all white. The show is about, let's bring more diversity and inclusion into the industry that we're in. And the producers went into the middle section and got people of color and put them in the front row right. overtly come sit up front we want this we want to show the diversity we want this to be front and center now isn't that interesting because as we say in the business you can write that card any way you want to right right right, right, right. but for me 10 years ago i might have written that card a little differently right but for me i was like yeah absolutely and the people were very willing to go sit in the front row. They just hadn't been there early. You know, you just filed in, right? You know, I mean, it wasn't that they were, you know, but, you know, at least you had to be a person who would sit there and think about it. Was that good? Was that bad? What does that mean? What are we trying to achieve here? What's our goal? Those are the kinds of conversations that we've got to start really having, I think. But it is starting where you are, right? I mean, I agree. I agree. Yeah. You got to start there. Yeah, you're not going to change the world in one day. You got to start there. And everybody's got to be having that 
conversation. Everyone, everyone. And then my issue is your issue. But it's all of our issue right now. How do we all not sit on the sidelines and say, oh, well, you know, because for me, right, I still have to think about the white kid, you know, gets bullied or whatever, picks up his gun and shoots up the whole school, right? So that's still my, you know, I can't just say, oh, that's the white folks, (laughs) you know, you know, and it's the same way, you know, they're getting into fights, whatever it is. You got to say that's your kids too, you know, and I, and I feel like until we do that, you know, we're going to be stuck in this, in this place about how do we work this conversation. And then, you know, even with the black and Latino folks, I know, I know, you know, one of the things Stacey in the conference that I was in, you know, oh, you know, we don't fit this race thing doesn't, no, it does include you. Yeah. Right. Because Latinos, you know, the the more black you are, the more, you know, in trouble you are, the more white you are, the more more things kind of work. Those, yeah, I know, but we all play into it. You know, Asian, same thing. Right. So I'm like, at least tell me, I know your experience is different, but at least tell me, how do you contribute to this dynamic? Because if we all continue to say, oh, no, that's not my problem nothing's going to be resolved. Everyone has to say, what role did I? Well, and Patrick, I will tell you as a woman, I become more assertive when I feel like I've been dealt with as a woman because of what I've learned through the race issue than I did previously. Right. I would accept things. I would play in the system. Mm, Right. Right. I would say, and I mean, it's very similar. I would say, you know, I'll just get along on this one. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I'll just pick my battles. Exactly. Had nothing to do with race. It was gender. It has changed how I view things and how I'll move and what I will do and won't do now because of what I've learned about race. It's about all those things for all of us as individuals. It's really about seeing other. And I was watching that show last night and I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm seeing people on stage that have never had the opportunity to be heard, to be acknowledged for their artistry in a big platform and a big audience. If we were not living in this time, they would never be here. Right. 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 And that is, you know, it's just, we're in a different time. So I do think though, you are a great example personally, if you're willing to tell a little bit about the story, because here you are, you've got your PhD, you are directing equity teams all across the country at NYU, having massive impact on systems, right? You live in Schenectady and you were got, you're taking the train, I think two hours a day, as I recall, Patrick. Yeah, 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 for a while, yeah. For a while. And you know, you're having your own family. And so you decide to go back up to Schenectady and you are assistant soup for diversity inside the school district. And an opportunity comes up for you to go be a principal at an elementary school. And you make the decision to do that. And now you're doing that. Tell us a little bit about that journey and why and how that's been so powerful for you. Because last time I talked to you, you said you thought, man, this I'm so glad I went back into the building. Um, um, you know, because it's, it's all there, right? So I think sometimes when you're at the uh, district level, <laughs> You, you you don't have the opportunity to actually touch the things that are happening. And and I've been, I feel like I've been able to use all of what I've learned in that space, right? Whether it's working with the students, um, you know, 
yeah, you know, I've had students say the N-word, right? And I'm like, okay, we're gonna, you know, and they're like, oh, we're not gonna get suspended principal. I said, look, we may get to that at some other point, but right now we're gonna have the conversation. And you know, not everyone agrees with me, right? They're like, oh no, that, you know, but I was like, no, let's have the conversation. Where did it come from? What? So it, it's allowing me to work even with the issue around equity uh, immediately and at a ground level, you know, even with parents, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting. Parents say all sorts of stuff, <laughs> right? And, you know, the race stuff comes up, whether it's with Black, you know, uh, it all comes up. So, they, so, I mean, for me, it's been not only the opportunity to work with equity immediately and in the moment, um, but I think, you know, working with what matters most, which, which, which are those kids and the students and having the opportunity to realize that I can, my experience with them can really shape the world in that region in a different way. If those 500 kids that I get every year that I can make sure not only that they're going to be successful, but I give them a mindset that embraces everyone that loves themselves and their mindset is that no matter what, I'm gonna be successful. I think I've done my job, right? And I feel like there's no other job that would allow me to have that access, right? You can work with people, but I'm actually, this is the next generation, you know? So it, it's been it's been the experience of, you know, depending, there's, there's a kid that says, oh, you know, Dr. JP, you didn't say hi to me. Tells the mother, you, you know, Dr. JP, when he comes in, he didn't say hi, he always says hi to, and look, there's like 30 kids in the room and I didn't, and I was like, thank you, mom. Right. Thank you. Now I got to focus right. on him. You know, I, I, I didn't take it personal, but I was like, yeah. yeah, you know, I walk in and I think I'm saying hi to everyone. Right. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. But he knows that I didn't give him that extra blink. So now, and mom is like, I don't know. Since you've been doing it, he's a thank you, right? Right. So you know, even at that, you know, I could have said, "Come on, what do you want me to?" You know, I got thirty kids, but I said, "I got it." Right. And now, when I go in, I make sure that guy he he gets at least a direct wink for me <laughs> because right. that's what he needs. Right. That's what he needs. Um. So I, I and that's what I feel. You know, those opportunities, those. I've been able to do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've had that work experience before. You know, um, I feel blessed that, you know, I can make those decisions right there, right? So I'm not, I'm like, okay, no, no, this is not equitable. This is, not, you know, this doesn't provide access. It doesn't provide opportunity. So I'm able to do it at the ground level. And you were the, how many black principals are there in elementary schools in your district? Oh, I think, Right now, I'm the only one. Right. Yeah, so right that was a, and that was important to you, right? It was important to yes. you. Yes, yes, and it was important to the superintendent. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He yeah. was. He said, "You know what? You know, we need you there. You know, yeah. um, right. you know." He was like, "I know you. You're doing all of this other." It's like, but I think this can make a huge impact. Um, yeah. And you believe it has, it has for it you. It has, I mean, you know, we're doing all sorts of assemblies with the kids. So, you know, we, you know, they know Hispanic Heritage Month, Black History Month, Women's History Month. They know, you know, all of the things 
you know, and we have a lot of Guyanese students. So we had, we created a Guyanese board. One of my teachers, like everyone knows, like we're celebrating each other. We're loving each other. And it's not always easy because, you know, you still have the moments where people say things yeah. that hurt other people. Right. But we, they know we're going to work through it. They know that's the culture, right. We're going to make this work. So Patrick, you've seen Defining Us. You you were on the advisory board from yes. Defining, for Defining Us from the beginning. You were with us when we started out thinking about young men of color and then evolving because of what was happening nationally. And now that you've seen it, what do you think? What would you tell audiences who are watching it to do? How do you think it should be used? What are your thoughts on that? It was two things that was very powerful for me. I mean, we talked about it, but to see it, um, was powerful, you know, was moving, that there wasn't one story, right? So I, usually what often happens is there's this one narrative about how you define, right? And the title said, how do you define Black and Latino? I mean, there was multiple stories, multiple experiences that I think, you know, it, it all allows people to open their eyes in a systemic way, right? To really think about the whole system as opposed, because there were so many things happening to these kids who look alike, right. but really in very different ways, right? And I think if people can hold on to that and say, look, there's not one story, mm-hmm. you know, we got to pay attention to the system and the, how the system impacts different people in different ways and, you know, sometimes lead to the same outcomes, but there's so many different things happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and if they can hold on to that, the the I, I the, that was the piece that was very powerful to me. There was different stories, different narratives. Uh, really gave us a big picture of right. Okay, this is this, this there's more to this than we've made it in the past. There's more to this than we've made it in the past. Um, and you know, I I think it's it, it was a good opportunity to see, you know educators who really care about this issue, right? Um, and want to see it addressed and, um, and they're from all different walks of life, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's, in a, you know, it takes a village, right? <laughs> you know, you, right. you had Black, Asian, you know, Latino people, every, you know, from different walks of life, different roles, right? Because if we all don't work together, it's not, it's not going to happen, right? And we have a certain mindset, right? So there's not one person who spoke, <laughs> who shared that I would say would allow a kid to be lost through the cracks, right? Okay. So they understand that concept. Oh, you know, they don't say it in the same way that, look, we got to make sure every kid <laughs> gets an opportunity, has access, and can be successful, right? We all said it in our own ways, but that's the message. And I feel like the more and more people we could get to have that mindset. And I think that was told through the documentary. This is this is the mindset that's gonna help all kids, right? Not just black and help all kids find their gift and be able to be the best that they can be uh, in the system that we have. Um, and that we should change the system and that, you know, there's different stories we have to pay attention to, right? Because if you think of, if we only listen to one story, then we only have one outcome to to offer every time, right? 
If you could tell, you know, you said something to me in our interview for the documentary, it didn't make it into the doc because we didn't have time, but you said, um, you know, Stacy, it's really about a kind of inclusion and diversity that is broad and wide. It's, it's every hiring decision, every time you're looking, you know, you're on a committee, it's, you can have in a school, and I just like to wrap with that, that really dismantling the systems to a large degree. Yes, there's, there's, there's all kinds of things. There's disrupting, there's people speaking out, there's protests, there's all kinds of things that have been done and will continue to be done, but it's really bringing people in who've been left out and in, in, in groups, not as individuals. It's not three people in Congress, it's, right? right? And I'd like to wrap up with that, Patrick, because I think that's really where it starts to change when you have, because that for me, bringing, being all white and Paul and I've talked about this, you know, we had a white crew, we had white people in the mix, but to sit in a advisory board meeting with a bunch of people that were not, and to blend that group um, really taught so much just by being together and having different voices at the table. Right. And so, um, and that's probably been for me, the most humiliate, I mean, the most humbling and the most um, impactful thing for me is to see people of color resonate with the film, for it to resonate with people of color, because it tells me we bridge that gap. Right. Right. Do you say, I mean, and, um, and that has been the biggest thing for me to be able to say, wow, we, we did, we pulled it, we pulled it off. Right. right? Um, and so I'd like for you to just wrap up with that and give people some that are listening. You know, I can't, I can't change a system. It's, I can't work against the system, but you can work against the system. And that's beyond just having an individual conversation. It's a commitment to something else. And I just want you to speak about that. Yes, um, I think first uh, we we all manage the system, <laughs> right? So the system, yes, there's a system, there's a structure, but it doesn't move unless I make certain decisions to help it move, right? So the decision to who you hire, the decision what programs you have in place, you know, the decisions of, um, you know, what events you have or what. Uh, times you have events, all of those things, um, I believe either uh, are inclusive or exclusive. So I, every situation I try to go in, I can say, and I, what I would uh, tell other people to do is that every situation you, you have to ask yourself, um, who's, who's included, who's not here, and how do I get them here? Um, because I think that the issue would, when people talk about innovation, <laughs> Stacy, innovation is really, it's really about diversity. Right. 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 So if you want to be really innovative, <laughs> if you want all sorts of ideas for more walks of life and you want, you want to really be at the cutting edge, you need every piece of, you know, difference in that space, whatever space you're trying to create something special, which I think you've done, right? And 
you got to bring people from all different places, all walks of life, because, you know, um, things get really stale and boring when it's just all the same people, <laughs> right? Right. So even for me, you know, if I have, you know, yes, I do a clear intention to get people of color. But if I don't have a white person, I start to wonder what's going on. You know, where yeah. are they? You know, how do I get them? And so if we can begin to think about how do we ensure that everything that we do, everyone is included. Um, everyone is represented. Mm -hmm. And then when representation also comes with access. Right. Because I think sometimes people can be represented, but they still get shut out right they still they raise their hands no one responds to them right right, right. so how do you still ensure that you give people access and they can actually um you know contribute to what you're 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 creating because i think that's really if you want to be innovative you know if you're not diverse and inclusive you're not innovative you, you, you are not, you don't, you do not have the best idea in the world. And if you, for some reason, someone says you have the best idea in the world, that's all just privilege. Right. Right. That's right. all just privilege. Someone says, oh, okay, since you did it, it must be the best. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. 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 And that goes on at a level that it, if people could just get quiet and think about that for a minute and how that just open up your mind and say, hmm, has, can I think of circumstances where I've seen that? And the right. answer, it's, it's hard to not come up with an absolutely on that, Patrick. Right, right. And then you have, I think one last thing, you have to be willing to deal with, there's nothing that's diverse and includes a lot of people that's going to be easy, right? right. So if, you, if you're coming in, oh, you know, we have a bunch of diverse people, this is going to be great, it's going to be Kumbaya. No, no, <laughs> no. If, if, that, if that's what you believe is going to happen with people from different walks of life and different, you just have to figure you're the job of each leader in each system is to say, how do I find what connects us all? Right. Right. And I, and I, and I think sometimes people want thinks what, how we get there is really nice and friendly. No. Mm -mm. You're going to get some bruises. You you know, yeah. someone's going to hurt your feelings. Like any relationship, it's like, it's like a marriage, right? Right. You know, right. it's like a, if you want that marriage to work, you're yeah. going to have to work with all of the different bumps and bruises and the things that offend you, the things that get you upset to get through it. So I think people have to understand if you're going to, it's a process. It's a process, but I mean, what you get at the end of it is, is just beautiful. You know, it's yeah. just. <laughs> well, and that's what last thing is Dr. Young, Lester Young um, is in the doc. And one of the things he says that people talk about a lot is that, you know, the, the concern is, is that you're asking me to do something for you that I, I am not for my own. Right. And you believe that if I do this for you somehow, and we're talking about equity now, if I, if I give you access and opportunity and I actually do different for different people because different people need different things that somehow that's taking away something from my own right my child from from and i it's such a great point and it's so the reverse of that it and is. I, i'd like you to speak to that because you do that beautifully when you talk about what you gain yes right? I, you know um you gain a lot. And, you know, I'm trying to think of a, 
a good example for that. Um, but what what I what I will say is that um, you know my sense at a basic level, Stacey, is that my my interaction with you, right, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, you're right from yeah. the south, right. So in that process, and as you say to me, right, there's a there's a lot that I've learned from you. Right, as you say, you've learned from me. There's, 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 there's an experience I've had because of you right. that I wouldn't have probably if the person exactly looked like me, had the same experiences like me. Gotcha. So at that basic level, personally, I've already gained right. And I, and I often tell people that until you really interact with people different from you, right, you, you don't fully know who you are, right, because. I've been tell when I interact with people who look just like me, they, you know, they affirm everything, you know, that I think is true, right? Right. In some ways, right? But right. when you interact with someone different and they kind of tell you, well, that's not how I see it, or that's not how it's the it changes your world because the way you thought something happens doesn't really happen that, that way for everyone. So I, I tell people until you know you move into a space where everyone does not look like you everyone is not from the same life experience as you that's when you begin to really learn who you are right your first part of your life yeah you i know who i am you're 18 everyone you thought you know we know who we are right no it's until you start having those interactions with a lot of different so there's a huge personal gain there in interacting with people who are different from you and i think people often don't understand that like the people who who or most, I've, I, it's, there's parts of myself that I never was in touch with until I met them. I got to tell you, Patrick, I think that's probably the, one of the most profound things people can understand and take away, because that is completely true for me, is when you interact with someone that's different from you and really have build a relationship. Right. And open to having that conversation and open to having that relationship and open to just seeing them as another human being. And it really started with children for me, seeing them in schools. You find parts of yourself right. that you did not know that you've been ignoring right. and that you didn't know could actually develop. Right. Even on your radar. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just wasn't exactly. even something you were thinking about. So it, it opens you up for such a deeper, richer experience. And for, and that's why I'm very hopeful with what's going on. We're in the disorder before the reorder. You know, I'm really hopeful oh, that yeah. we are in a truly transformative time because yeah. there's a richness to life that you get that you don't have when you are just sort of hanging out and living on the surface. Correct. Right? Correct. And I think we've seen that through this process for everybody that has been involved. Right. Absolutely. Because a lot of people would have told you, Stacey, this is not going to happen. Oh, right. And I'm sure a lot. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, even now, you know, that's one thing people should, you know, it's people are going to tell you it's not going to happen. You can't get all of these people in a room together and make them work together. And I say, yes, you will. If you believe you'll do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So look, it's been such Thank a you. pleasure and I appreciate you going long on this and um, taking the time and um, 
yeah, it's just great to have you. And we will uh, Thank be you, touch. Thank you, pleasure. And